Welcome to the Animal Aspirations podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by two of my friends and fellow Animal Aspirations members. We talk about parents asking the question, why not be a medic? And the societal perceptions of being a vet, especially living in London. We talk about our first impressions coming into veterinary and our experience with vet school as visible ethnic minorities. Imposter syndrome and feeling like you're not good enough are common thoughts and we speak about the pressures visible ethnic minority students face and why we want to be a part of change within the profession. Thank you guys so much for joining me here today. I'm really excited for this episode. Would you like to introduce yourself? So hi, I'm Ananta. I'm a second year vet student at the RVC. And hiya, I'm Vita, and I'm also a second year vet student at the RVC. So my first question to you is, what was your journey like to veterinary medicine? Like, how did you get there? Okay, so um, I took a slightly longer route to get into veterinary medicine. Um, I did actually apply straight after A-levels, but I was rejected everywhere and I didn't have the grades either. So I decided to go down the first degree route. So I did a BSc in bioveterinary sciences and I graduated 2019, and then I applied for veterinary medicine as a graduate student. Um, I applied for the five-year program, and I was lucky enough to be accepted, Um, so this is where I am. (laughs) Um, So mine wasn't straightforward at all. I didn't, like, leave sixth form wanting to be a vet. Um, I actually started a law degree, ended up dropping out I had a year out and did like a lot of work experience at like catteries and a farm and stuff a sea farm um but even after that I applied for zoology and not for vet med I don't know why thinking back um so then I graduated from zoology worked at a nature reserve for about a year and then I applied for vet med yeah so it's been it's been a process (laughs) that's so interesting because a lot of people go for the straight or they think that the only option available is the straight from university 18 you go straight into into a degree so it's really interesting to see you guys have done other degrees beforehand uh how did you know that veterinary was something that you wanted to do this was the career that you wanted to pursue so for me um bearing in mind that i come from a family of medics my, my dad's doctor as well so i was always being pushed towards human medicine um, for the longest time and I didn't even consider that vet med as an option until I was like 16 years old so I think that's like year 12 time which is pretty late I think because I feel like when you get to vet school a lot of students are like oh I wanted to be a vet yeah. since I came up the womb so for me it was a, it was a very different experience um, but at that age I think my family had a heavy influence on my career and I think picking an academically challenging um, degree and having like a good job at the end of it play a massive role in deciding what what subject I was going to do but I've always liked animals um, and when I hit year 12 I think I was starting to think more seriously about what I wanted to do so at that point um, obviously sat my parents down explained what I wanted to do um, and the biggest thing for me was getting work experience in the field so that I knew what I was getting myself into um, I don't have any family in the veterinary business, anything. Um, so I kind of had to pave my own way through this, which was quite difficult at times. Um, but I think it, it made me a stronger person. But 
yeah, I was able to combine, you know, my love for animals at that age. And then, I mean, I picked science A-levels thinking I was going to do human medicine, but then obviously switched up last minute. Um, but yes, that was my gem. What A-levels did you do? So I did biology, chemistry, math, and PE. Um, I did four A-levels, don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was mine. And Vita, did you, were you one of the people that just knew from birth that you wanted to be a vet? So this is like, I think I get a bit of like imposter syndrome with this because I know like a lot of our co cohort or like a lot of people are like, yeah, I knew I wanted to be a vet when I was like, like really young. And um, I did want to be a vet when I was really young. And like, I remember like being in like infant school, primary school, and I loved visiting my friend's house because like my parents really hate having animals in the house or anything like that but I loved going to my mates because she had like cats and guinea pigs and that was just like fun for me and we used to like pretend being vets and stuff and I read like I don't know if they still have them but like the animal arc book series then it's about like the daughter of a vet I loved that <laughs> so I had that but then I think um like my parents really wanted me to consider like a career that in their mind was more respectable potentially I don't know so it was like this whole doctor engineer lawyer kind of thing so I kind of ended up moving away from veterinary but then doing zoology and like working in conservation for a bit I saw like um we had like this like annual bird catch thing and the vet will come in and do like run diagnostic tests collect bloods and stuff like that and I think seeing that in practice and then like Anantha said um, doing work experience at the back of that made me realise that actually this was something that I really wanted to go back to kind of thing, so yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what were your family like reactions to you saying you wanted to be a vet? Because you said that you've like, you know, you come from very like, medical engineer, lawyer kind of backgrounds with like the first vet to your family was it kind of like a shock were they like oh I don't understand what are you doing <laughs> like why are you doing something that is, is different from us did you feel like you had something to more to prove to yourself that like yeah I'm here like this is what I want to do this is for me and like this is going to work out for me I think it's like that eternal question of you're studying five years to become a vet why don't you just become a human doctor I think that's like yeah. the one thing they can't get over and I think sometimes they still struggle with it now they don't really understand I don't know like Anantha probably gets it more with her family of doctors but <laughs> um so, yeah all of the all of the above um <laughs> I think when I was 16 that was hard for me because I had to you know at that age it's like oh what do you know you're young but um I think I had a lot to prove not just to myself because this is a career I had chosen. So I had to make sure that I enjoyed it and I succeeded at it, but having to prove to my family as well that this is like a worthwhile career. Um, and it, it, it did take a while to convince them at first. I will say my family's like wholeheartedly supportive of my career now. Um, but at the time, like you said, family of medic, everyone's like, oh, why not medicine? But I think that in general is just a huge barrier to overcome, especially in South Asian culture. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will agree they feel that pressure from immediate family even now or you know family friends extended family um, and when I think 
in South Asian culture was the tight family unit that can have a massive effect on, on choosing careers. But yeah, right now I have all the support I could need um, about the time. <laughs> <laughs> Different story. Yeah, I think it, a lot of it is um, when you're quite young as well and like your family's quite close, you do pay attention to what they're saying. So it is hard to like, I think at that age, I wasn't ready to like go against or like not have that support and carry on kind of thing, which is why I ended up going back to it later in life. But like Ananta said, I think me going back to it, my parents were like, oh no, she's actually being really serious. And in mm. all fairness, they've been great now. Like I remember applying to vet school and after the application had finished, that was when I realized, cause it's my second degree that I don't get a tuition fee loan. And so I had like this whole revelation that I might, even if I did manage to get a place, I wouldn't be able to accept it because we can't afford it. And that was when my parents were like, no, this is something you want to do. We will figure something out. And like, I'm very privileged in that they are even able to like offer that support. But so now, yeah, now they're like supporting me in that way. So yeah, no. I do think that's something interesting that's not brought up because I was like, oh, they were like, oh, if you don't get on, that's fine. You can do another degree and do a postgraduate. But no one was like, but there's no student loan. Like you get no funding. That's got to come from your own money. So like, fortunately, like I am on, like I didn't have to be for a second degree, but like that is a big hurdle that people don't know. I don't think there's enough, I don't know, out there. I'm sure there is something you said that, but I was being recommended this route if they were like a it because I was like, oh, like what happens if I don't get in? They were like, if you don't get in, that's fine. You can take a degree, you know, a biology based degree. Like you said, you did zoology, you did biovet. Like there are loads of different biology degrees that you can do to then do like the graduate accelerated program but no one says that like <laughs> that's gonna come from your own yeah massive shock to the system having to just fork out that much every year for a five-year degree like I've said this before as well like if I knew that I had to pay for this degree I probably would not be not have even applied like I would not have asked my parents to even do that I think it's such a massive barrier um but I think there is now like a scholarship for yeah. second degree students. So that's really good. Um, but it is something mm-hmm. to consider. Like if you don't have the financial ability, I'd, like I'd try and hold out and like maybe get some experience or something like that, because it's not a viable option for everybody to mm-hmm. have to pay for their tuition fee loan because it is a lot of money. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's really interesting. It hurts when that 3000 goes out yeah <laughs> I can imagine and then especially when you have to do like living out costs as well like it just all adds up but it's interesting what you said about um it just brought me back a memory I was at the dentist a few weeks ago and he was like oh like I was like oh I feel like my eyesight's deteriorating because I'm just constantly studying online and he was like oh, <laughs> and I was like oh I'm training to be a vet and he was like oh I really wanted to be a vet when I was younger like my whole like childhood I like applied wanting to apply for it but I didn't feel like there was enough like I, I couldn't understand like the application process because obviously you got to have the pre-work experience and the personal yeah. statement and then the interviews like it's a lot to if you're by if you don't have anyone behind you like a school that's supportive like it's a lot to come through 
yourself and he was like oh, my family were like why would you want to do that like he was a southeast asian and um, a dentist and he was like his family were like why would you do that just going to dentistry so then he's in dentistry now but he was like oh if i could do it again like i would love to be a vet and it just made me feel really like privileged I was like I'm literally living out my dream and other people's dreams like so many people dream of becoming a vet and look at us three killing the game out here <laughs> creating two vets it was one of those moments and I think it also highlighted the importance of like animal aspiration and the work that we do to like showcase diverse and positive role models and help like break down the barrier of like applying to vet school because a lot of people do want to do it and like you said like there is a barrier like access issue that people if they don't have supportive schools or supportive families like it's quite hard like you said Vita, to like go against your whole family for something that is your passion when they're like oh I'll just do something else like whatever like you're quite young so I do think that's really interesting um I wanted to ask do you feel like you had any veterinary role models like was there anyone that you did your work experience with who was really like supportive of you that made you feel like yeah I can do this <laughs> for me there was one um south asian vet so when i was in terms of role models I, I don't think i really knew any like famous kind of vets or anything like that and i didn't really follow it that much but when i was on my work experience there was one south asian vet he had uh, qualified in india and he practiced a bit in new zealand before he came to the uk and he had his own practice so i did some work experience with him and oh my gosh all his clients absolutely loved him. They spoke so highly of him. He was so like clinically competent, um, like great team working skills. It was just like an excellent practice and it was such a role model for me. Um, and I was fortunate enough to shadow him as well. But I think I left that placement thinking like, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, where I know like when you're doing farm placements and stuff, it's, it's, you might not really get that feeling, you know, especially if you're cleaning, um, cleaning. <laughs> yeah exactly um but that kind of experience and then seeing someone who looked like me made a massive difference because it just made me think I can do that to them um and I think that's one really important thing especially with what animal aspirations is trying to achieve um having like vain role models um can make a massive massive difference to prospective students especially at like an impressionable age of like 16 17 um I can just make life-changing change changes <laughs> <laughs> do you 100%. feel like one of the reasons you chose rbc was because of that slightly and i mean slightly <laughs> larger bame population compared to other vet schools was that something that you were like when you were looking at is something that influenced your decision no i think for me it was literally that it's in London so I could potentially live at home and again it's like this whole second degree having like thinking about those costs but also I think I'm so glad that I came to RVC because of that like we are so lucky in our group of friends that we've got quite a diverse group of friends as well and honestly like it's what is when you're doing such a difficult degree and like having a group of friends that kind of understand where you're coming from, understand your journey kind of thing, it does make a difference. And we are so blessed with our friendship group. So yeah, no, honestly, like it makes all the difference for me. I think that's one of the things about like having a good support <coughs> because um, 
having a support network with your family like you talked about before is important because they're like you know the people they're like your family they're the people who are supporting you all the time um so I think having like your family support network like supporting you is great but like having people like who are doing the same course as you who are like with you in your lectures and your practicals people that you can like share notes with and go through stuff I do feel like we are very lucky and we're a bit of an extra friendship group (laughs) like some of the revisions (laughs) we do together like we had like weekly cahoots so we would like make quizzes for each other and test each other like every week of the year so I do feel like I don't know I feel like it's been one of the most positive learning experiences at school I don't know if you felt the same but like my school was very not like each for their own like obviously there were friends in the school but it was very like competitive and it was very like you have to do well for yourself whereas I feel like with us it's all like how can I help you if you don't understand this what can I do to help you to get to understand it like how can we help each other and I think that's really special oh we're so blessed obviously and I think that's one of the things that's got me through online school like the past year, just having like a great group of friends and having people we can bounce off of. And just like aside from ac- academically as well, we've got like shared lived experiences that we can, that we feel comfortable talking about with each other. Um, and I think that makes the world of a difference. Especially when, you know, one of us deals with an unfortunate incident of like racism on work experience placement or stuff like that. Yeah. I think being able to talk about, because obviously like at the moment, there's not that many support structures from an institution perspective to help you out with that. But I think like having people who can just like listen and like understand how it feels, I think is really lucky. And there's something that not every... Mm-hmm year and cohort in our RVC has like we're very lucky with that and it's not also something that other vet schools globally you know like not just in the mm. in the UK have so I do think we're very blessed um but yeah so you felt like you didn't have uh, there weren't any like veterinary role models like you know like you know how everyone's like oh like James Harriet like everyone was obsessed with reading the books yeah. and the different various tv shows that came from it and like Noel Fitzpatrick I feel like there are like pivotal people in like the social media or like the public side of the career but I never felt like there we had that yeah there was never like a shared experience I was like oh he's a vet like it's cool like what he's doing is interesting and the stuff that they're doing like I remember reading the James Harry books and I was like I want to be a farm vet (laughs) like I it wasn't like I was seeing myself in them and I do think that played a big part in your journey in your like believing in yourself oh no 100% and that's why like I love that now that we're seeing on like CBBs and stuff like that people like Fabian and Bolu because I think that makes such a big difference like I honestly do think that seeing yourself or being represented in a profession that you're considering it makes it easier to like if that's what you want to do and your family are like no I don't think it's a good idea or whatever it makes it easier to refuse the path of least resistance, which would be to like, I don't know, become a human doctor or engineer or whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it makes such mm. a big difference. And I think, yeah, no, it. I think this generation is so lucky to have that. And I'm so glad that there is like a change in like the media and like trying to get diversity because I think it is really important. Because um, mm. if you see yourself on TV, like that is a profession that you could do. I think also like the the way social media has been able to help this push is just 
insane. Like, I know when I was thinking about doing that, it's like 2016, 2014, 2015. <laughs> like, Instagram and stuff was there, but. I did not follow any like vets on Instagram. I'm not really sure if there were that many. Like right now, when everyone's on things like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, um, having role models on these apps, which is just so easily accessible to young students, um, I think that makes a world of a difference. Because for us, the only way we could go out and see a South Asian vet or, you know, a, a BAME vet in general would be you know by chance when you're on a work experience Facebook and you just see one there it's like oh wow okay <laughs> but like now we can actually like oh these people exist like we can see them right there but, yeah I think we all still get excited if we do meet a baby <laughs> placements like we like message each other being like, <laughs> I found one in the wild <laughs> oh, <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about like role models and a little bit about like societal perceptions but did you feel like coming into veterinary medicine there was like only a certain like limitation of what you could be as a vet? I think personally I've always felt maybe not a limitation but I've always felt like I have to work twice as hard as my white counterparts to achieve the same thing um, and that kind of that stuck with me for a long time like this to the point where maybe I pushed myself too far, um, like studying way too much for burning out and things like this, and still not thinking that I'm good enough. But unfortunately, having experiences at university or out on placement, which kind of validate those feelings that I'm thinking of, you know, when you already think that you're not good enough, and then having someone tell you, yeah, you're not good enough, is, that, that can be quite damaging. But again, we've got a great group of friends um, who helped me get through things like that. I think there is like a, you already have an imposter syndrome. I think a lot of vet students have it. Um, but I think an added like facet to it is that you're going into a space that isn't very diverse already. And then I think going back into like the whole role model thing, like I know Olivia, you're interested in like stuff like conservation, like veterinary stuff, like but stuff like that. You don't, again there's not much representation there either so you feel like okay maybe that's not achievable kind of thing maybe I'll just stick with um something else like I don't know I feel like the imposter syndrome is real especially like I think Ananda had an experience as well with like mm -hmm. um having other students come up to her and being like well I don't know you you can tell it but um <laughs> Um, yeah, I, th I think things like that is where I already think that I'm not good enough. Um, but then having other students come up and say, you know, you're only there in this position, you're only here as like a as a pity kind of okay, you're a tick box, you know, we we need more BAME students, so that's why you got in. Things like that is that that can really really hurt. Just I think the BAME student in general. I think people really underestimate like how damaging that can be being told that you're only here because of your skin colour. When quota, yeah. like all three yeah. of us here, we've taken some long routes to get to where we are now. And then being told I'm only here because I'm um because of my skin colour is just like, okay. Um like what more do I need to do to prove to myself and prove to you guys that I deserve to be here? But it shouldn't be like that. I shouldn't have to prove to anyone really except for myself. 
yeah. I don't think I realised that there was a problem with diversity in professions and specifically in veterinary until I like started like my first day because like I came from like a very multicultural multi-faith school in South London like there was lots of representation of everybody I just kind of and obviously in London I just kind of assumed like I don't know you just kind of live in like your little liberal bubble of everything like (laughs) fine and then I got to like London a London university and I was like oh like it's still in London it's gonna be fine and I remember like walking in I think it was like like the introduction lecture and I like looked at the lecture hall and I was like oh (laughs) (laughs) it's like no one like I was like I just I'd never felt like obviously not that that's something to put you off like you should not do an opportunity because you're the only one because obviously you can like open the doors for other people and you can help like someone has to be the first to help other people come through but I think it was the first time that I was like I'm gonna be like I didn't realize that it was like that seeing other people that like looked like you meant so much to me until it wasn't mm-hmm. there I think the fact that it wasn't there, I was like oh and I was very lucky that me and yeah, me we're on the same tutor group so like we met each other like on the first day or the second day and then like I just sat down next to Ananta and I was like hi money yeah honestly I was like oh you look nice I'm gonna go say hi to you (laughs) I think yeah I didn't realize and then obviously like I was like oh there's not that many people and animal aspirations were like you know they were like as every society does in like the freshest week they're like oh like this is us like you should come join us I was like oh yeah I'd love to so then I was like oh I'll get involved with animal aspirations and I feel like the more I've been doing it and the more I've been like speaking to people and doing events and stuff I'm like this is a problem (laughs) I didn't realize how much of a problem it was and like speaking to vets in the profession they were like I was the only one in my vet school for the whole like four years and then someone came when I was in fifth year and I was like that's insane that's insane and it's a lot of like mentally on you like the fact that we can all vent to each other is like a luxury that a lot of people who are currently practicing like didn't have so I just I don't know as I keep saying we're blessed and also you do deserve to be here I know that you have experience (laughs) people were saying that you didn't deserve to be here and it just made like made my heart a bit sad when you were just saying that but I just want to reiterate that you do deserve to be here because you're all very smart and you're doing very well and I'm very proud of you both right back at you though (laughs) did you feel like coming in I don't know do you feel like not specifically BAME society perceptions but just like society in general as looking at vet I don't know I just assumed it was only small animals I don't know I just came in I was like oh yeah you're a small like anytime I speak to people in London who are talking about vets they're like oh my cat did this and my dog is this and then we just have conversations about cats and dogs but I think going to university I was like oh this you can do anything there are so many things you can do as a degree. So do you think that like the society or perceptions of being a vet, not specifically BAME, like has some influence on people's like decisions into doing it? Um, I think it's like this idea of what you have work experience or what experience you have of it. I think like, so I've lived in London all my life. So the type of work experience I could get was mostly smallies. Mm. so that was what my perception of being a vet was basically it was smallies because that's all I could get so I think um going to vet school and like learning about farm vetting and wildlife vetting as well like I think that does make a difference Mm. I think for me because I grew up in Kent but um yeah there's like 
I, I don't know. I, even then, I think because I've got a cat, I think when I thought of that, I just thought, you know, small animal that. Um, although I did do like some farm experience before I joined um, my first degree. But even then, I didn't, I don't think I quite realised just how, like, how Different. many opportunities there are within vet med. Like, I, I think I even now I struggle to, like, comprehend that. Um, I know, like, even if it's not about, like, clinical practice, like, you could do so many, you could work in, like, pharmacy so companies, you can work with yeah. DECA, like, there are so many different career opportunities that I hadn't even, like, considered even, like, on my yeah. radar of stuff that you could do as a vet. Like, it's such a versatile degree yeah. that I was just, like, I'm still a bit, like, well, this is literally, like, there's just so much I can do. Do you have any like specific goals for the future? Anything you're like aspiring to? Past that then. Yeah. <laughs> Short term goals. Let's get through. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> if you asked me a month ago, it would have been like past second, like second year, and that would have been as far as it went. But I'm gonna go for past that med at this point as well. Like, yeah, I, I think, think long term a- future is like I'd I'd like to specialize in more animal surgery. And hopefully, long time in the future, I'd like to open my own practice one day. But yeah, I think my main life goal is just be happy, be healthy, um, and pass that mode. But I do think a lot of like, it's so interesting to think that we have been manifesting getting here for such a long time like there were times that we didn't think we would make it and now we're like at vet school in second year I just like sometimes it's really easy to get swept up in the destination of like oh I'm going to be a vet like I have to do this I have to do this I've got to do this exam and then this exam I'm going to revise this and to get to you know, to get to the next year to get to the next point to like to become a vet but I think sometimes it's just so easy to get lost in the like the journey of it like the fact that we are all living out our dreams I just think it's so inspirational I think we're all inspirational I'm very proud I'm very proud no I definitely sometimes get that where you're like just swept up and like thinking about long-term goals like breaks me out into a sweat like nothing does like but I think it's just when I need to like remember that getting into vet school was a goal and I'm here and yeah like you said we need to kind of enjoy it and I will be happy doing whatever I end up doing with this degree um so yeah I think that we are destined to have more hardships than other people like we're not just vet students we're being vet students like no one ever looks at us like oh you're just a vet student like in second year it's like oh you're a being vet student in second year who's doing like xyz like I know that you've got a lot of like extracurricular diversity inclusion sort of programs going on but I feel like I don't know there's just like additional things that you just have to account for that you don't have to think about if you're not BAME does that make sense yeah I think even on placements sorry oh no I was just gonna say like even on placements you don't get seen as a vet student um if you like yeah like we went to Mm. like um a placement and we were introduced as so these are vet students that don't look like vet students and it was just like this whole idea of what does your typical vet student look like then like mm. um yeah so I think and I think there's also like a pressure for 
well, not a pressure, but I think we understand the importance of doing the work in order to make the vet profession more diverse. And so I think that's why like you and Anantha are like really involved in increasing like diversity and like in, in like at the uni and the profession as well. So like, I think there is an added facet to that as well, yeah. I think it's a part of our identity, to be honest we will never be just that student um and to be honest I think I'm okay with that um I don't like people saying you know you know everyone's the same you know I just I, I want to be recognized as a BAME vet student because that's who I am and I'm doing the work for that as well but I, I don't like the idea of people saying you know um you know all vets are the same or like you're all, you're all the same I was like no because we come with like lived experiences which have set us aside from the general population like that that has given us you know this thing within us which is why we have set up things like animal aspirations and all the other work that we're doing like it's driven all of these um projects and groups forward and it comes off the back of our experiences and I think that's so, so, so important. Like, I, I don't want that to be brushed to the side um, either. But having said that, I'd like it to be in a positive way. Yeah. I don't want to stick out as being a BAME student because, you know, oh, because you're a tick box. No, we're, we're here. And, you know, the work that we're doing is because of all these, like, we should all be treated the same, but we're not, unfortunately. So yeah. I think it's the fact that we are it is part of our identity, but we're also so much more than just a BAME student. Exactly, yeah. We do a lot of other things as well. But I think it's this, this idea of like, we are different, but that's not a bad thing. Cause if anything, exactly. our clients aren't all the same. Like in London, we're like in one of the most diverse areas in the UK and we need our profession to reflect that in order to relate to our clients. Like there will be situations where a client comes from a different background and because we come from a similar background, we can understand what what their thought process is and help them talk through it. Right. I think it is important that the profession does reflect yeah. the people it's the population, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you yeah. feel like uh like your your as you know, you're saying your lived experiences are one of the reasons that you wanted to like get involved with like animal aspirations and the other thing because you wanted to like I've been through it and I don't want anyone else to go through it like I want to make it exactly. a better page you think that's like the founding of why you know we're doing these sorts of things yeah absolutely exactly that um I just I can't bear to think that like this is just going to be a cycle that keeps getting repeated Especially, so when I joined uni in 2016, you could count on one hand how many BAME students there were in that room. Now, there's so many, like even just in our friendship group, I'm saying so many. Relatively. <laughs> yeah, we're calm down a bit. <laughs> Still not enough, but that's why when I look, you know, when we graduate in fifth year, I want to look back on the first year's incoming and be able to see so many BAME students and the fact that we have paved this way for them and made it easier for them they should not have to undergo the same things that we have and I think there's been I can feel like a profession-wide kind of change and shift in that attitude whereas before it was all swept under the rug but I definitely feel like now which probably you know was started off since the Black Lives Matter movement but um, I see the profession itself changing a lot 
and a lot of vets in practice who've been working for 30, 40 years, they can also turn around and say, you know, these vet students are still undergoing now what I went through 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what's actually changed? Nothing. So I think now that we're coming through, we can look back and say, okay, we've made those changes, which are so important. And the whole profession is going to benefit from this. Our clients will benefit from this. We will all benefit from diversity. No, I do definitely feel like we're seeing a change, but I think sometimes, like, obviously, after the Black Lives Matter movement last summer, 2020 summer, um, there was such a big push for having stuff done immediately. They were like, we need answers and solutions immediately and I this is just not one of those things that you can fix like with a snap of your finger but I do Mm -hmm. like change is going to take time because it's institutionalized that we need to like be breaking through there's a lot of stuff that happens in primary school and your access to a good primary school and your access to a good secondary school like that's the foundations of your knowledge before we even think about because a lot of the widening participation programs that the universities in general like look towards are you know like year six form or like year 11 students but like the problem like the the in earlier yeah the problem so much earlier than that so I do think for it to be like complete change is going to take a long time so I do feel like yes we're seeing a lot of positive change and in the last year I've not seen change at a speed like this before I feel like people are actually listening whereas before we were like banning down the door be like hey do you want to like do this with us I've written everything up I've got a plan <laughs> they're like no or oh, sorry something we're like interested in whereas now they're, they're definitely even with like institutions like universities they're definitely looking more within themselves mm. about the leadership and like the levels that people you know are able to apply it for jobs for um so I do definitely think that it's changing, but I do think for the changes that people are expecting to see, it's going to take longer than, you know, like mm. us being at vet school. So I do think what we're doing is good. And I love, you know, I always get so inspired when I see people younger or older, like, you know, it's such like a nice environment where we can all like be inspired and feed off each other's inspiration. So I really enjoy that. But I do think it's going to take a long time for us to make long-term change. Cause I think, yeah there's yeah. a lot of things that we're putting in place that aren't gonna see the effects immediately the labor. yeah mm. but, uh, but I think you also need to remember like what we're doing at Animal Aspirations I would have loved this stuff like if I was like a school that had like Animal Aspirations to come do a workshop like mm. I think that's what's that's what I love about it it's something that I 100% would have like identified with and enjoyed and I think it is important and even if we like manage to change one person's like or like solidify one person or one kid's um like thought process of getting into an animal related field or anything like that I think that's major honestly like that's such a big thing and I do love that animal aspirations is looking at like um doing workshops with younger kids as well because I think that is important because like at sixth form it was too late for me I needed someone Mm -hmm. to come to me at like primary school secondary school and I think that's why I identify so much with animal aspirations is because they are trying to do that so yeah no definitely do you ever (laughs) there's a like being ambassadors and stuff do you ever feel like there's like a, a conflict between wanting to showcase positive role models, but also like not having, pos- do you ever feel that sort of like conflict of not having the role models, but being the role model and wanting to showcase role models when there aren't really role models, but you're kind of a role model, sort of like weird feelings. Do you ever feel like that 
or do you just feel like the positive effects of the events like is more is bigger than yourself so it's it doesn't matter I think even with something like doing this podcast I think there is that moment of does it like is what I'm saying you're going to help anyone like do they want to hear from me kind of thing I think there is always that I'm am I even qualified to be a role model like I don't I don't really understand how that happened but um I think it's something that you talked to us about before we started this podcast like um it is about telling people the different journeys that you can get into vet med and like um our own personal experiences and I think people can identify with that um but there is this constant every time we do an event I'm always just like I'm not sure if like it would be helpful for me to help in this event or if like the kids are gonna like if yeah if what I'm saying is gonna help them but um I think that kind of comes into like imposter syndrome like for me yeah (laughs) am I BAME enough to be qualified to talk on this you know like do my experiences count as valid to be involved in something like do you know what I mean like I always feel like oh but there are people who who are more BAME or more this that you always like negate yourself and your own experiences whereas it's like we can all be role models to get like why does it have to be me over you why can't we all just be like positive role models helping lift the profession together so I do think that's interesting and I do feel like a lot of people um even if like what I I think one of the things is that as a BAME person, you don't actually have any, like there's not like you're on a course where they tell, talk to you about how to be BAME and how to talk about being BAME and like how to tell institutions mm-hmm. to like fix up and how to, you know, how to make change. Like it's not like there's a blueprint for us doing any of this. It's literally trial and error, us making mistakes, us, you know, learning ourselves, like, you know, reading books and podcasts and listening to podcasts and watching documentaries. And it's like educating ourselves, but like, I don't know, I feel like it's always like a really weird, like, oh, I don't feel like I'm qualified to be speaking on these matters. Exactly. It's like, no, this is our lived experience. We're all valid as BAME people. And I think as visibly BAME people, because there's like a differentiation between like being BAME and being like visibly ethnic minority which is important like us being visibly ethnic minorities showcasing ourselves even if we don't feel like we're being positive role models just talking through our stories so that someone else can listen to it because I feel like if this was something I had or if animal aspirations like you said Vita was something you had when you grew up it would have it would have made a world of difference I think it would have been just such like I just think all the the different because it's not just animal aspirations there are tons of different organizations doing similar sorts of stuff to increase you know diversity within the profession I think all of them combined even though we're all like separate have like a recognized like understanding and like love for one each other one another because we're like yeah look at us we're all like doing the same thing (laughs) we're helping out and we're doing something good so I think it is all interesting I think yeah I don't know I just think it's I just always feel like I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I'm qualified because I don't have any yes you can you definitely you can. can you are doing you know it what? I think I want to I just want to say I feel like role models they don't have to be someone this amazing person who's achieved so many different things and blah 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 I think seeing a role model that's in a position which is just so achievable makes a massive difference in itself just it can be your ordinary but you you are the role model and you don't have to do anything it's just you you as a person it's like that's what we can we can see you and you're you're in a position which is so achievable for us and the person that you are as well you know be good-natured good-hearted person and achieving the things that you have achieved you know that's that's enough 
you don't have to think about what am I doing to be a role model just be yourself yeah I know I do think it's always difficult to like I don't know I feel like it's easier to get in your head and there are other things that you have to be thinking about it's like oh I'm not just a spokesperson for an ambassador I'm not just a spokesperson for a vet student I'm a spokesperson for being BAME like there's just like you're all you're always on you know yeah. what I mean like you're always something to be on a presentable mode and you always have to be a representation of vet students BAME ambassadors so I think it is a lot more to think about but you're right I think we're all role models because even if you don't like like you said you don't have to be a, like a person of like a public figure to be a role model like there's always going to be someone who's like the step below you who's like mm-hmm. oh look at them living like doing what I want to do and then we're always looking to the people above us like oh like all the people <laughs> who, are who have just graduated we're all like oh look at them graduating <laughs> exactly I do think it's interesting Mm. okay um so I just wanted to ask do you have any like advice to people applying to vet school or biological careers in general who feel like because they may be one of the only few people in the room especially when it gets like high levels like masters and phds that did you have any advice for them who might be like struggling with that sort of like, uh, why me? Like, can I really do this myself? No? Okay, so, um, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I was just waiting. Um, no, I think like it helps to talk to other people. And I know they're far and few in between, but like um, with social media, I think it is a lot easier to find someone Um, And I think a lot of, um, even like the academic field, I think a lot of people are so happy to talk to you about it as well. I think that's the main thing, like everyone has been so inviting. Um, And I think there are people out there who are trying to increase diversity. I know like there's a whole STEM movement as well. Um, So I think just like try and like email a few people if that is something that you're seriously considering. But there's also like the idea of doing the work experience really like solidifies. Like I remember um, I'd done a whole load of work experience and I was getting really worried about the whole application process and just like the sh- it's, there's a lot of hoops to jump through to apply to vet school. And I was just panicking about that. And um, I messaged someone who had graduated as a vet and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, blah, blah, blah. And instead of turning around and being supportive, they turned around and was like, well, it doesn't sound like it's something for you. And I think at that point, it would have been so easy for me to be like, I can't do this. But because I had done the work experience and I remember enjoying it so much, that's kind of what pushed me through that point. So yeah, I think it's just like mostly talking to people who are already there in that position, if you can, I know it's not always possible, Um, but like, I know Olivia, you've managed to talk to like some amazing people who are out there doing their thing and they've all been so welcoming and they love it when people talk to them about their experience. So um, yeah, I think that that's what I'd advise maybe. Mm. I think for me, just don't forget that you're not alone. There's so mm. many people who've walked this path before you. <laughs> people here, you know, we've we've been through that, and we're here to help. We're not we're not the type to kick the ladder out underneath us when we get there. I okay? think we're trying to help more people come through. Um, and don't worry if you don't get in first time round. You know, there's no such thing as failure as long as you keep trying. Um, 
there are so many different routes of getting into vet med. We've taken long, longer routes. They may be harder, but the life skills I think you learn that you gain and then the things you learn help you grow as a person. And I think it'll put you in a better position as well when you reach reach there and it makes it even more sweet when you get to the top. Yeah. But you're not alone. There's so many people. We're here to help. And I think like just in general life advice, like for applying for things, it's just get involved. Like, even if it's like, cause obviously we've gone through vet routes. So everything's like very work experience, like vet related, like call up vet practices and, you know, book work experience and such. But I think generally for like biology, like if you're interested in something, like find out who else is interested and like, see if you can have a conversation mm. with them. Like I know my brother is very interested in frogs. He loves his frogs. But because of that, he's just like found people who are like also interested in frogs he's found like you know organizations and charities and he's like oh can I help can I get involved so it's just seeing what you can do to like make that small step like make the small connections even if it's just like going like seeing if people have like open days like I know like a lot of like animal charities have like welcome days or like learn about us as a charity sort of days so like going to them and seeing like just putting your foot in the door just trying out lots of different things and seeing what you can do I think as a more like biology sort of career path is is really important because making connections is everything connections will be yeah. networking <laughs> networking is a life skill true, that very, very true. my biggest lesson is remember names remember the names of people you've spoken to so if you ever need to email someone who's different but it's the same to be oh I've spoken to Tony exactly but <laughs> <laughs> a name drop where you can <laughs> find names for everywhere and I think like you said like a lot of people do want to help even if it's not because I know this conversation specifically been about BAME but like there are a lot of people who aren't BAME who still yeah. want to mm -hmm. want to be allies so it doesn't necessarily yeah you might be the only one but because you've got so many people like professors or mm -hmm. charity or people who want to be interested in you and want to invest in you as like you know their time and resources and skills that you doesn't necessarily have to be like you don't have to be looking for BAME role models to be doing the career mm -hmm. you want to be doing and I think that's important because like you don't have to have a BAME role model to be to know that you can do that job I mean it helps to see that yourself in a career they're like oh like they've done it I can do it but like there are going to be people who are supporting you there are going to be people who like want to see you succeed so I think generally just something like any career like mm -hmm. just don't doubt yourself I think the biggest thing is confidence you got to have you got to believe in yourself yeah. Yeah. more than anything because like yes people believe in you but like you're the one who's got to like make the decisions and you're the one who's got to like go out for yourself because I know Nancy you are like it's quite young that you have to decide these things for. I know people are like oh you can do whatever you want in life but like especially if you want to go into like like choosing your A-levels and stuff that sets you up for what sort of like university yeah. do you can apply for so like it like you know even your GCSEs that decides kind of what A-levels you can do so kind of like you know you're like 16 17 trying to like make decisions courses you know like yeah. it's quite difficult so I think just like try as much as you can because for me I like like I did the most random A-levels I did English music biology chemistry because I was like biology and chemistry <laughs> still get into medicine and English like was a uh, like an allowed extra subject and then I was like English and music in case I want to do anything else I was like I really kept my options open and as long as possible but no, just trying to get experience in whatever you're interested in. Because you might find out you don't like it. You might do two weeks at a vet practice and be like, actually, no, I want to do something more research-based and like do something in research. And I like, actually know mm -hmm. I want to do something more like public speakery or like, you know, you've always just got to try trial and error to find out what you like. Now, my final question to you is, do you have any life mottos 
that you live by that help you get through hard times? Yeah, for me, it's if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go fast, go together. And that just sums up my family, my support network, my friendship group. You know, we all work together and we're trying to go far. This is, that's what my goals in life. Yeah, that's, that's it. And I think I just want to give a shout out to my tutor, Victoria. Um, <laughs> she supported me so much but I think in my first year of vet med I think she really helped me change my way of thinking into you know enjoy the journey as you're going through you're with your friends like this time isn't going to come again um and as much as we hate it whilst we're revising for exams and all that stuff but I think when, when we finish vet school we'll look back and think like that was a great time mm-hmm. we have a great group of friends and we, we're all going to help each other get through that's lovely. I like that. Lisa? Um, for me, I think it's just like, not that I condone eating elephants, but if you're going to eat an elephant, you need to do it one bite at a time. And I think that helps me because I think I get quite overwhelmed, like even with like the vet application process or revision, like I can be a mess when it comes to revision, as you guys know. <laughs> but it's this idea that there's so much to do and I get overwhelmed by the big picture so I need to like take it into like little chunks which are manageable and I think that really helps me and I think that you can apply it to a lot of like life as well um things happen one step at a time you're not gonna like wake up tomorrow and be an amazing qualified vet there's a journey to get there and yeah like Ananda says you need to enjoy that as well so yeah no I do think breaking stuff down is really important that's useful in all of life like Mm. if you need to be able to like what like write down your goal like what's the end and then like and then how do I get there how do I get there stones yeah I need to achieve to get through so I think that's really important especially because like so many things in life are very overwhelming and it's a bit like yeah (laughs) I don't have to do anything but being like no what small things do I need to do like every day to get there Okay, well, this has been such a lovely conversation. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining me to talk about. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Oh, I love you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so far, I feel so genuinely destiny that we've met each other. Hundred percent. I think about it all. Stars aligned, and it just all worked exactly. out so perfectly. <laughs> just like the universe knew we needed each other to get through this. Yeah. I feel beautiful. I feel very blessed that you guys are my friends and we're all on this journey together and we're all going to become great amazing vets together. <laughs> and be positive, positive role models for future generations. That's what we are. That's what we want yeah, to see. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for today's session. And uh, I hope people listening to it got something out of it because I feel like two girls are like yeah. the most inspirational people in my like personal life. Like They're always you know there for me and we always have such interesting conversations about like life and you know I think being BAME students it's a lot of conversations that we normally have within ourselves as a friendship group regardless like we just talk about these things and like if there Mm. are events going on at the university or like in the profession it's stuff we talk about but it's stuff that other people who might not have like BAME friends have exposure to so I think this is a nice way for us (laughs) to publicly share our conversations I yeah enjoyed, i've enjoyed speaking to you again today thank you so much thank you for having me bye, bye. bye.
I hope that through this episode, we've inspired you to go for opportunities, even if you feel like you're the only one. I also hope that we have shone some light onto the thoughts and feelings that we have as ethnic minorities on the VET program. If anything we have spoken about has resonated with you about imposter syndrome and feeling like you are not good enough, then please know that you do belong and you are doing an excellent job. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Animal Aspirations podcast and we'll see you next time.